Hi, I'm Dr. Taryn McCarthy, business owner, orthodontist, motivational speaker, and mom. After 20 years of striving for success in business, I'm starting the conversation about the business of happiness. True success in life is realized when we achieve inner fulfillment. Join me in the conversation with business leaders and entrepreneurs looking to reignite their passions and redefine success. Welcome to the Business of Happiness podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Taryn McCarthy, and today is going to be a phenomenal day, my friends. We have with us a very special guest. I cannot wait for you to meet her, Shannon Blackman. She is a certified financial planner, a professional with the firm Thomas Dahl, and specializing in wealth management for dental and medical entrepreneurs. And what I love about her is her energy and her insight. She empowers audiences from across the country to experience transformational shifts in their relationship with money through her financial well-being presentations. And today she's going to share with us some of those opportunities that are coming up. But for now, let's please welcome Shannon. Hello, Shannon. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, Shannon and I met through the Dental Speakers Institute with Vanessa Emerson, and we're in a cohort together of support and growing our businesses. And Shannon, it has been such a pleasure to kind of watch you launch this beautiful program that you've been birthing, and I know how passionate you are about it. Share with my audience a little bit, because I know you so well, but share with my audience how this came to be and your kind of journey in this profession. Yeah, so my journey started out um, while um, working at a small registered investment firm in San Francisco, and we specialize in LGBTQ planning. And so that's that's how I started. And um, and then I started working at Thomas Dahl. And so I've had the privilege of sitting across from really successful people and guiding them along their money journeys. And so that's been really, really interesting. And what I've learned through through that, the hours and hours of talking with people, is that to be truly successful inside and out, that there is a money psychology that, that's at play there. So because it's more than just the numbers, it's beyond the numbers, right? Because the numbers are pretty static. It's pretty predictable how to make things work. But like, what is that? What's that it factor that makes a person truly successful? And it's a certain money mindset. So I've been very interested in that. And that's kind of been my study as, as I sit with people and, and talk about their money journeys. That's so cool. What brought you to this financial world to begin with? I mean, what was that spark, that passion when you were younger? What drew you to learning and studying finance? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it might have come from my grandmother. Um, she was a, a second generation Irish immigrant and she worked as a nurse. She was raising, she was a widow raising three little girls on her own. And she actually worked in um, as a private nurse for a gentleman who had was a self-made millionaire back in and back in those days, a millionaire was a lot of money, right? Yeah, that was a real millionaire. <laughs> yeah, a real millionaire. And so he taught her about investing. 
And so I was able to hear those type of conversations when I was growing up. And I think that's kind of a really rare and wonderful thing that money was talked about openly in our household. And even though like my, my mom and my stepdad were, were less well off and, and we kind of lived in this frugal mindset, I still mm. was aware of investing as an option and as, as a way. So I think that that's what really sparked my interest. That's so interesting. I love where this conversation is starting because I was going to ask you about generational beliefs around money and how that impacts us. And here, it sounds like you had a really cool opportunity from your grandmother, Mm -hmm. but can you speak to us a little bit about about our generational cultural impact or the impact that generational cultural belief systems have on us and our money mindset? Right. Well, it's huge. It mm. really is what determines how what our behavior is with money. And so mm. we inherit these beliefs from, you know, the people that raised us, from the larger culture, and also generationally, you know. I mean, like if you think about like if your grandparents went through the depression, how that affected your parents and then how, the, how that affected you because as parents, you know, we're passing on these messages consciously and often unconsciously to our children about, you know, uh, frugality, or I somehow got the message that uh, poverty was a virtue somehow, or, you know, all these different money messages that we internalize, and then that affects our behavior with money. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so it's important to know what those messages are. And so that's the work that I really like to do is kind of excavating those money stories, you know, seeing what is it that's that's driving us and motivating us. Because sometimes, like even with myself, I started off in financial services with with a bit of um, like a a zero sum game type of mindset. It was it was a scarcity mindset in financial services. And I had to get over that or you don't really get over something. You go through something, right? You, I had to go through that to get to uh, what, what I like to call an abundance mindset, you know, really thinking differently about money. I, I also love your story of your grandmother because I think that we often assume that immigrant families have this scarcity mindset, mm-hmm, you know, right. or this, this belief system of, I have to work myself to the bone to earn something. And, you know, scarcity is humility, is honorable, you know, all those stories. Mm -hmm. And I love that you've shared your story about your grandmother because here she was, an immigrant who had a different mindset, which just shows us that you can think and believe differently. Right, right. Yes, change change is definitely possible. Change Mm -hmm. and learning and really evolving. Um, and I think that's that's something that happened to her. And and what a huge impact to um, see a woman investor, you know, because she's she was born in in 1920. She's no longer with us, but she was born in 1920. That's like the first year that women had the right to vote, you know. So just in one generation, how much can change? It's amazing. It really is, and it's also very exciting for the impact we can have on our future generations. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the impetus there for, I can't, you know, I think sometimes we think 
well, this is the way it is. <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. who I am. I'm never yeah. going to change. But there can be a catalyst when we consider the impact we can have on our children and our children's children. And right. so how can we turn that money story around? Once we've identified, okay, this is where it comes generationally and how I grew up yeah. and the language that we used in my household, how can we turn that ship around? Well, I think the biggest thing is to break the taboo of not speaking about money. So that is the, the one of the biggest taboos, and it really separates the generation generations. And I think we do that because uh, maybe we don't want children to know our money problems, or maybe we don't want our children to know our wealth, you know? And, yeah. um, and, and there's that silence there. But what that does is it stops the conversation and it stops the wisdom from flowing because there's so many lessons that need to be passed down and communicated because your legacy, the legacy that you leave is not just dollars at the end of your life. It's it, it's who you are. You know, what what do you want to honor? What what spirit you want to give? Um, so those conversations need to happen. So I think um, speaking to children about money on their level and encouraging them to not think of it as a taboo thing or a bad thing, but to talk about things. Talk about the difficult things. Talk about the differences between rich and poor. Talk, mm. talk about the differences between the haves and haves not, have nots. Because children are starting to realize this. And it can be a big shock to them, too, to, to see those disparities. If you can talk about that to them, with them, I think it's a good step in the right direction. Yeah, it's so true, because I think we have this misconception that if we're not talking about it, then they're not learning about it. And right. that's actually not true. Not <laughs> they're learning sure. about it from other resources. Yes, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. How do you, I know, Shannon, you have kids. How mm -hmm. do you use this as a tool for parenting in your household? Yeah, well, it's interesting. And I, this is not my best parenting moment, but my son had a, a television in his room, which is not not the best. Um, but he uh, this just happened this, over the weekend that he threw a PlayStation controller at the TV and he broke his TV. You know, so I, I didn't really do anything about it. To me, there was those were natural consequences. And, you know, that was your TV and you broke it. But what's funny is he came up with a plan and his plan is to sell chips and water at the park. <laughs> he has $15. He wants to invest that into his little snack business and earn his, his, his money back. To buy his TV back. One. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how that happened. I don't know how he, what messages he was receiving in order to even come up with that idea. Mm. But somehow he must uh, hear me talking or hear, you know, he must be absorbing that somehow to think, I have an idea. <laughs> I mean, that sparks such a great conversation about how our money mindset doesn't only impact us, right. but really impacts the world around us. And right. I think I think the same is true in business and in leadership, you know, yeah. as this owner. So in terms of coming at this from the perspective of a business owner, mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about money mindset and kind of the social impact it can have on our teams. Yes. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Um, I think, I mean, and I, I, I apologize if I'm getting a little bit in the weeds here because, you know, what we do at Thomas Dahl is we set up retirement plans, 401k plans for dentists and their teams. And so one of the neat things that I get to do is have these uh, 401k enrollment meetings with the teams. And I just really love these meetings because that's a time where I can teach them about just the basics of time value of money. 
how money compounds over time, how a little bit, it's just a little bit, it's like the cost of a latte that you, you know, you won't even feel it. But if you put that into your retirement account, that's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. Um, so I think things like that are, are wonderful things for, um, you know, entrepreneurs to put in place for their teams is a, is a good retirement plan because then, then you're working together and, and you're teaching that skill and you're, you're really living it out. But I, I also think that, um, you know, as a leader yourself, um, living in that abundance and not being in the, that scarcity mindset, like it could it could show up in so many ways. Right. But if you can really be grounded in yourself, I think that's going to spread to your team like ripples, you know. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. They, we, we forget that energetic impact that we have on the right. world around us, for yes. sure. Yes. Now, you mentioned that there was a point when you first started in your career where you really had that scarcity mindset. Yeah. How did you overcome that? Well, so, yeah. So when I started in my career, it was it was a sense of like, I never want to be poor. I want to learn as much mo about money as possible. So I never have to touch poverty again. It was just like a, you know, <laughs> this thing. And, and what I realized is like, even after I, I started making money and I was really, really good at managing other people's money, I didn't feel, I didn't feel that sense of calm and ease and contentment that I really wanted. Like I would go to do my taxes and I would feel all kinds of constriction. I was always mm. worried. I was, I was, I was hyper vigilant about money, checking mm. my account balances as soon as I woke up in the morning and just really in a bad space. And so that's when I realized and I actually did a course uh, called the art of money by Barry Tesler Linden. And in this course, uh, she really talked about that inner prosperity really knowing your own psychology and really approaching it from the inside out because I was approaching it as an ob object from the outside, mm -hmm. but really it's an inside out thing. And so really aligning what I do uh, with my purpose, filling my life with meaning, that's what really turned, turned things around for me and, and helped me to see abundance, helped me to realize abundance. And you know, it's not about the money. It really isn't about the money. I'm going to put myself out of business here, but it's not about the money. <laughs> um, I also, um, I'm a registered life planner. And so I went through a life planning process. And what that does is it, um, it takes you through these three questions that kind of frame your, your mindset, not so much about the money, but about time and how you value your time. And that to me was a very transformative uh, moment as well. When I realized it, it's not about the money. Like what's really, really important to me is spending time with family and friends, um, you know, mm -hmm. feeling like I, I have purpose and meaning in the world. Those are the most important things. And when I started to focus on that, everything shifted. Now, I was just reading a really good um, little research article. It was called Time, Money and Happiness. And they were talking about, and this is what I've noticed with my clients as well. So my clients, uh, the happiest ones, right? They value experience, experiences mm -hmm. over things. They value relationships over stuff. Yeah. And, and that really is, is that's key to it because, um, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's key to it. You know, happiness is really time well spent. And so if you can shift your focus from money to time, that's, that's really the nugget right there. So. It's fascinating. I love 
I love this realization. And I think that money and time go so interestingly together. And sometimes our limiting beliefs can actually be intertwined. In mm-hmm. other words, like mm-hmm. scarcity around money, scarcity around time right. also robs us of our happiness. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. What do you do? Do you have a practice that supports this abundance mindset? Do you have a practice that helps you integrate that and remind yourself of that or feed that belief system? Yeah, I do. I do. So I'm a really big proponent of meditation. Um, It really takes you out of that flight or flight response Mm -hmm. And, and brings you back to just calmness and groundedness in your body. And I think that's so important, especially when dealing with money, because people have a lot of, you know, feelings that come up around money. You know, some people just don't want to look at it. Some people get really agitated like I used to. Um, but really having, I, I meditate in the morning and then I meditate in the evening. And really having the, that has taught me how to stay calm and stay grounded. Um, and I think like, and you can do that in the moment too. Like before you look at your finances, get grounded. You can do that uh, in the moment. Um, but I also think having a regular meditation practice is really good too. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you didn't get into business to be miserable. The problem is that people feel that if their business gets busier, if they start becoming more successful, that happiness will eventually set in but it can actually get worse. This is why I created the Business of Happiness Prosperity Coaching. In this one-on-one coaching, we look at how to redefine success on your terms and refine the joy and the passion in your dream. Visit me at thebizofhappiness.com and become the happiest business owner you know. So what are the most common disempowering beliefs around money that you see with your clients? Yeah. So, I mean, again, there's a great book um, called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist, and she talks about these three myths. And the one is that there's uh, there's not enough. And there's that scarcity mindset. That's the scarcity mindset. Right. And the next one is that more is better. And so that is, that's what keeps you on the wheel. You know, that's what keeps you just going and going and going, thinking that, thinking that more is better. More isn't better. Mm. More isn't better. Mm. And the third one is, well, that's just the way it is. And there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And that powerlessness is another really limited, limiting belief. And I think what um, the underlying thing be, be behind all those, those three myths is that like, I'm not enough. And I'm separated from the divine. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's just not true. That's just not true. Yeah. I'd love to actually dive into each of those because I think there's so much within each of those Mm -hmm. in the healthcare professions as well in terms of, so um, let's start with that first scarcity mindset one that there's just not enough. How do you see that perpetuated in the way we manage and interact with money? Right. So that that belief that there's there's not enough, it keeps us kind of in that rat race. It keeps us thinking that we've got to, you know, get it before it's gone. Um, yes. And we see that in, in, in investing. Right. And in the in kind of the investment cycle where there's like mm-hmm. that exuberance and, you know, going after things and, you know, that 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 just that race. And when you really think about it, um, money's more like energy. 
than it is like some kind of finite thing. It's 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 more um, it's it's more like energy. That's really cool because I think another thing that it fosters is competition the, and yes. in a negative way, in a, in right. a non-productive way. Sometimes mm-hmm. competition is really good. You know, it's great right. to have a little competitive edge, but in a non-productive kind of combative way is when we see someone else doing really well. And then we tell ourselves that we couldn't do that because there's not enough right. to go around. Right. 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 Yeah. Or mm-hmm. another place I see that play out in business owners in medicine and dentistry is fear of charging the value of your services because mm. you think your your clients or your patients don't have enough. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think we can we can get into the trap of spending other people's money for them. Ooh. Or just like, you know. Oh, I, I want to pause for a minute. Get into the trap of spending other people's money for them. Expand mm-hmm. on that a little bit. That's a great Yeah, thing because you're, you're thinking, oh, these people surely couldn't afford my services. Let me discount my services so that they, but you don't know what they value and what's important to them, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to value your services and your worth enough to say, yes, this is, this is what it's worth. You'll be mm-hmm. amazed, you know, because people, people have choices in their lives as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I'm sure that the owner of Starbucks, you were talking about lattes. <laughs> it wasn't thinking that way. I mean, how you could make coffee for free in your kitchen. Right, right. Yeah. True, true. Yes, yeah, true. fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so then we get to the second one, which was more is better. Right. And how do you see that play out for your for your clients and for people within the medical and dental professions? Yeah. So I think, I think with that one, I mean, and I hate to even bring this up, but it tends to be that um, people in the medical and dental professions are often over leveraged and, you know, and I think that that's one of the key things that we do at Thomas Dahl is we can show you what is enough. Are you doing enough? Is there enough? But sometimes when people see that there's enough, they still want to go after more, bigger, better, and um, and sometimes they become over leveraged at that time, you know, mm-hmm. where they're taking on a lot of debt in order to just, you know, expand things. And that can feel really heavy sometimes, too. You know, I'm just thinking of, of some people that have a lot of different properties. And that sounds lovely and lush. But when you think of all the work and all the expense and all the upkeep that comes with that, you sometimes wonder, like, wouldn't. Wouldn't simpler be better? Wouldn't simpler be happier? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think sometimes we we think we have to do all these things and create these empires. And some people really are empire builders, which is which is awesome. But I think sometimes like, you can do too much of that thinking that more is better when actually simple is is better in a lot of ways. And I think that also weaves in nicely what you were talking about earlier, which is really getting to understand yourself and being quiet with yourself and not chasing someone else's definition of success, because maybe building an empire is building their happiness, you know, and the greater impact on a, on more, more of the population. But I think really that, that comes right back to what you were saying earlier of just understanding yourself. Understanding yourself. Yeah. And so I, I want to refrain from making judgments about, you know, certain lifestyles because some people are empire builders. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. But I think that's so key is I think often we look to others to define happiness and mm-hmm. success for ourselves and forget that we get to do that for ourselves. 
Right, right. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. And and then tell me about this final one that um, Lynn Twist was talking about, yeah. the third. The third is that, you know, that's just the way it is and there's nothing I can do about it. And I think this is kind of circles back to what you were saying earlier about change, you know, that element of change and growth um, is, is, is empowering. You know, we have, I think just even in the power of our words in what we what we speak, we have that the power in the moment to be shaping and creating our reality. And so I love the podcast that you did with, uh, talking about um, saying it's hard all the time. That really struck me. And I caught myself um, still catching myself saying like, oh, that's, this is hard, you know, because the, the words that we choose really create how we're going to experience things. Our inner experience is what is creating our outer reality. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's really, really important um, to, to reshape that. And, and especially empowered. when it comes to money, you know, I can see right, that being right. the language we use around money really yeah. puts our focus in that mindset and mm-hmm. can really change and alter how we experience money. Right, right. Yeah, because you can say like, oh, I can't afford that or I just right. could never afford that. Or you can say, how can I afford that? And that just is a shift. How can I afford that? Oh, I love that. Let's do that, actually, Shannon. I love because I wouldn't have come up with that one. How can I afford that? That's a really cool reframe. Let's Mm -hmm. take a couple of disempowering language around money and then offer us something different. Offer us an empowering version. That's going to be a fun game. (laughs) So let's say, let's see, one of the things might be, yeah, there's, there's never enough. There's never enough money. Oh, let's see. Um, Oh, um, okay, so this, I, I don't know if I can say it succinctly, but what I've noticed is that money expands to the extent that I am creating. So oh. I don't know how to say that right, but it, you know, first, first, first create, have your ideas and money, money will come and fill up the gaps. It's really amazing. And I don't mean to get woo woo, but it is, maybe it is a little woo woo because um, I've noticed that that it'll expand to, to, to fulfill your vision. Let's just Ooh. So give me an example. Um, let's see. Let's see. Oh, well, I mean, I guess, well, I mean, my, my side gig is talking to women about abundance. Right. So I was like, well, how is this going to happen? It just didn't, it didn't fit in the spreadsheets for me to, to you know, to, to do this and, you know, and, um, but I just went for it. And, and then I noticed that everything just started to fall into, in, in line that way. You know, it was like, oh, I got a raise and then here's an income source over here. And, you know, and it just, it, it expanded to fit the, the capacity that I was raising myself to. Love that. I, I mean, that's exactly the visual I'm, I'm getting as you're speaking mm-hmm. is that when we limit ourselves, we're really compressing and contracting mm-hmm. and right. limiting the ability right. for money to come in. But when we have a more expansive expectant perspective, yes. Yes. then right. money comes and flows into that space. Right, right. Because yeah. I like to think of money as as energy. And so, it, you know, it flows in, it flows out, it circulates, it does all these different patterns, right? And so I, I think before I was stuck in kind of a frugal mindset thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I could just squeeze myself tighter and tighter than I'll have enough. But, but actually, it, it's a different movement because if you're expanding yourself, yeah. then it'll flow in. So... 
Love that reframe. That's my experience. It's not science, but. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that reframe. I think it it also speaks to just where you're putting your focus and attention. You know, if you're putting your focus and attention on limit and scarcity and having to constrict, then that's what you're going to find in your experience. You know, your reticular activating system will make sure of it as opposed to when we allow for more expansion, then we start to recognize evidence in our experience of expansion. Yeah. 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 I think the shift in focus is important and, and abundance wealth, right. is more than digits in your bank account. It's more than dollar bills. Yes. A lot of it is um, the well being that we experience in community and connecting with other people. And so when, when for me, shifting my focus onto those type of connections, um, conversations and connections has also been a huge uh, abundance lift. Absolutely. And so there's even another twist on the language from I'm poor or I'm not Mm -hmm. wealthy to look at the wealth around me and having wealth take on a new value. Yes, yes, yes. It can be the the quality of your relationships. Mm. Um, Or experiences. Experiences. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. Beautiful. What about I'm just not good with money? I hear that one. Oh, yeah. So this is a really pervasive money script. And I think it affects women a lot. Yeah. Right. Because previous generations, generations and generations, the men handled the money part and the women did like the home front. Right. Mm. And so even though our roles have shifted now, I think that there's still just that it's just, it's, it's, it's inherited, right? It's inherited. And it's also pervasive in society because, you know, I, I have Canva and I like to, you know, look up financial advisor to find a good picture of a financial advisor. And it's always some white dude in a suit, like climbing up some <laughs> stairs or something, you know, <laughs> climbing up stairs with arrows pointing up. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. So I actually have to search for, you know, happy black woman to find a good picture of what I think is a good financial advisor. Uh, so that's just one example of our society. Yeah. It's kind of ingrained in us that that it's 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 uh, you know the it's the you know the I don't know limitation the, of well, women. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. yeah. That women yeah. just are not yeah. good at money. Yeah. Yes, right. And so it becomes we kind of internalize that, and it's just not true. Women are really really good with money, and we make better investors. There's studies that prove this that women actually are better investors, and it's because men tend to be overconfident, ah. trade more, make changes when the market's wild, and that actually um, kind of that they end up making less because they're making changes. Warren Buffett once said, he's like, money is like a bar of soap. The more you touch it, the less you have. And But women tend to um, take a strategy, set it and forget it, and then go about their lives while their money grows and just be more systematic that way. So yeah, it's just not true. But if you are feeling that, and I think the best way to get comfortable around money is doing it, looking at your finances, have a financial advisor, get collaboration, get, get advice and, and, and really look at your finances, get in there. And there's no dumb questions. And in fact, I I love all questions. I think questions are amazing. There's no dumb questions. Keep asking questions and get familiar with money. Once you are more familiar and more engaged, you'll get more comfortable and you'll be at ease again. How do you advise a reframe for clients who have a historical 
or have historic historical evidence of they're not being good at managing money. So maybe you're a little bit in over your head, you've leveraged yourself too much, you haven't been responsible or even aware of what your spending has been and now things are out of control. Right. And I totally get it. First of all, I get it. You know, um, I didn't really start saving and investing till I was 40 years old, which is kind of old. Right. And so when you look back, you're like, oh, if I had only <laughs> saved 10% of my income all the way, you know, so you might be a little bit older and some have some catching up to do. You may have actually experienced huge loss. Some people have experienced huge loss in like 2008, 2009, where maybe they weren't diversified or they made a mistake and, and then and then lost a lot. And the way our brains work is that if you your losses hurt more than your gains, so they become magnified. And so this is a really it's a very real phenomenon. And so I have a lot of empathy for people who've actually experienced loss like that. And 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 for those people, I actually just handle them with kid gloves. Okay. You don't, your experience is that the, the market is scary and let's put you in more conservative investments. You're a more mm. conservative investor. That's perfectly fine. This mm. is what your experience has taught you. So let's, let's keep you like that until you're comfortable. And then we can, you know, dollar cost average into the market and do slow, slow things, baby steps. Um, but I really want to honor that, that if that's where you are, that's where you are, you know? Mm. Mm. I love that. Understanding yourself once again. It keeps coming back to that same thing. Right. Mm. Because remember, the, the, what I want to do is not touch the money. I want to get a strategy and stick to it. So if I put you in too aggressive and you're uncomfortable and you're not sleeping at night, you're more likely just to pull out, go all the cash. So I really want to know who you are. I want you to know who you are so that you're comfortable in the investments that you choose. Hmm. That's awesome. And and take it easy on yourselves too. Take it easy. We we all come into the we come into this capitalistic world. We don't get to make a choice. We're just born here. Already a price tag like stamped <laughs> stamped on us, you know. And um, you know, there's a cost to, to even be born. And you know, mm-hmm. we don't get to choose. We don't get to opt in. Mm-hmm. We're in this capitalist society and we have to it's like sink sink or swim we have to learn how money works in order to in order to thrive it's a survival skill now and um and and if you think about it we're not necessarily taught that either we're kind of taught or we absorb to be good consumers or Mm. good producers but we don't really learn the middle way and i think that you have to give yourself patience as we learn that some of us learn the hard way um, it's, but it's, it's something that we have to learn pretty much as so, adults. So self-compassion. Yes, definitely self-compassion. Definitely mm-hmm. self-compassion. And we always, we always look back and say, oh, if I had done this 10 years ago, well, the right. next best thing is today, you know, just do something today. I love it. I love it. Shannon, you have an amazing workshop coming up that I'd love to let people know about. Uh, can you oh. tell us about that upcoming workshop? Yeah, so I'm really excited about this. So my idea is to showcase what we do every day at Thomas Dahl with with the life planning and also explaining how the money system works. And so we're going to spend all day going deep into our money stories, journaling, doing exercises, sharing. And at the end of the day, we'll do some values-based budgeting. And what that means is budgeting based on your values. 
<laughs> and then we'll come up with a one-year action plan at the end. So this is coming up this Friday, September 23rd. It'll be from 7 to 2 p.m. Pacific, uh, 10 to 5 p.m. Eastern. And you can go to www.resetyourmoneymindset.com to register and learn more. Oh, it's so awesome. I just have to honor the value and how wonderful that is. Because as we're talking throughout this interview, I was imagining some of our audience members listening, thinking, okay, I can have that mindset. I can start speaking to myself with new language, but how do I actually put it into play to see changes? And so that's exactly what you're going to be providing in your workshop. Yes, that's right. That's right. Oh, cool. Oh, I love that. And actually leaving with an action plan at the end of it is enormously valuable. Thank you. The action is important. The action is important. That's awesome. So who is a good person to attend your event? So how would I self-identify? So if you ever, if you feel any kind of unease or discomfort around money, if you tend to not want to look at it or feel overwhelmed, this workshop is for you. If you are, um, you know, maybe living paycheck to paycheck, or if you're an entrepreneur living payroll to payroll, this workshop is for you. If you've always wanted to go deeper into your money story and really work on your money issues, but you just haven't had the time, this will be a great chance to get together in a small, intimate group and go deeper. Very cool. And is there an age, like if I'm retired, can I attend your yes 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 definitely definitely if you're retired i would say any any time in in your working life or retired would be a wonderful time to it's it's always good time to do your money work (laughs) i love that i love that shannon i am so honored to know you i'm so grateful Uh, that the universe brought us together we're spirits i just (laughs) i'm so so honored and i just really love what you're doing in this world i just believe in you and in your mission so deeply and i just wanted to say thank you thank you for doing this thank you for reshaping your money mindset and then bringing your story thank you for starting investing when you were 40. And thank you for sharing that beautiful story about your grandmother. I just, I love that story. Wonderful. It's so thank cool so to much. have you. Would oh, you. Thank you for having me here. It's so awesome. And I'd love for you to share with us before you leave, because I ask this of every single person I interview, what is your definition of happiness? I would say, I, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Happiness is time well spent. Uh, for me, success, happiness is the quality of my relationships. That's it. That's that's the liquid gold right there. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you, my friend. And thank, thank you. you so much to all of you for joining us today. Please check out this incredible workshop that... Shannon is giving us this weekend. So you guys, right right around the corner, you can find the link in the show notes and definitely reach out anytime if you have any more questions for Shannon. And I'd love to hear from you if this sparked any new insight on your end. And once again, remember, when you feel good, that's when you can do good. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Business of Happiness podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And if you know of a colleague who could benefit from this perspective, empower their day and share this episode with them. Or check out more episodes on thebizofhappiness.com. I look forward to discussing happiness in business and in life with you further again next episode. And until then, remember, 
Today is going to be a great day.